You're a virgin. Yeah, I've never done this. Are you kidding me? No. Are you kidding? Take a sip. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? No. And I, I do need to be the good thing about being a virgin is my first time, so I'm excited and I'm not jaded. <laughs> At um, all. It's just going to be good because it's new, and it's with you, so it's going to be great. Um, You're my first. Wow. It, that that speaks volumes, the fact that I'm your first. Well, they always say you forget a lot of the ones in between, but you remember your first, and you remember your, I don't know, the last, but you ne- you don't know it's your last when it's your last. But 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 we have a lot of history, so the fact that I'm your first is interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even going to do an intro because she doesn't need anyone, anything. (laughs) One of my dearest friends who I haven't seen forever, but it doesn't mean we're not still connected. That's right. Amazing writer, director, potential podcaster. Oh. Oh, wow. Freedom fighter, which I'm being told is a term, but I think you're a freedom fighter. Miss Julie Davis. Can you believe we're here? I can't. I can't. You've never been on a pod. No. Wow. First of all, you don't age. I know. I can't believe you said that. I was so, I hate to admit this, but the first thing I thought of, not the first thing, but when you told me to do, that we were going to do this podcast, one, I'm so, I'm so new to all this that I thought, is it just audio? And if it's just audio, that's great because I don't have to worry about the fact that I'm 54 and Jamie hasn't really the last time we worked together, I was 39, and that's a big difference, and he's going to be looking at how old I am. And then when you said, no, it's video, and I you know, I know the podcast is mostly video. I, I was looking at your podcast, and my first thought was, oh, my God, I, I don't know if I can handle seeing myself, you know, on camera, having aged so much. And, uh, of course, that's what actresses go through all the time, but... Um, and I feel for them. <laughs> I feel for them. But uh, it's so silly. I'm ashamed to say that. But I also believe that you just have to be honest and like tell on yourself. So I'm telling on myself that that came into my mind. And I really hate that it did. Do you know what I love? First of all, the first thing we said after that was, isn't that sad? That that's where we are in a society. That you feel that you might be judged. And that it's something that you said that women go through all the time. Which is so fucking sad. Well, women have gone through this, though, forever. Yeah. The thing is, is that I know the biggest judge is myself. Mm-hmm. And so this is between me and me. Yes. And two, this is the only reason it's different now is because of the culture of uh, filtering and Photoshop on steroids and creating people that don't even exist online who we think do exist and look a certain way has gone so... This has been moving this way forever. You know, we both grew up in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And uh, I still remember Cheryl Teagues and Brooke Shields. And I mean, I remember those covers like yesterday, Christy Brinkley. Those were the, they were, stuff was still filtered then, right? But now it's like people don't even, they're having facelifts through uh, Photoshop. These aren't even what they really look like. And we're just living in a false reality on that level as, as far as women and aging. And I know it's for men too, like looking at men with muscles that don't exist. It, it has to be for you guys too, right? It's a false reality and it's, and the plastic surgeons love it. 
the anti-aging industrial complex is is thriving. <laughs> wow, you just came up with an amazing term. The anti-aging industrial complex. Wow. I kind of tell you, I just had an epiphany watching you. First of all, she's a virgin, folks. Does she seem like it? I mean, boy, you get right on this bicycle and you're brilliant. You just, Because this is why you're perfect, because you're not scared to share. That's what this whole platform is, is about being open. And you just, I just had a hockey player here and he cried. That I think maybe people will can take a minute and realize and peek behind the veil and go, okay, this is a lot of shit isn't what it used to be. I think that's what we're going through is a mass of this veil peeking. And so it is a teeny bit easier now because everything is coming out as a lie. Right. And so, but yeah, for a while, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that three years ago, but now since, since COVID, I would be able to do that. Can I, can I just say that? I hadn't seen you for a while, and then, and by the way, when we worked together, it was like, that's what it's all about. Every day was like just a gift. You are such a professional. You are so humble, so humble, so hardworking. I don't want to cry, but everything that a director could ever dream of, and a writer, I mean, you are just, what a pleasure, and and such a good person. You're a good person. Well, it starts with you. I love working with you. And but then I saw you at do that comedy set mm-hmm. about three years ago, but twenty maybe two thousand twenty one into the pandemic, and I hadn't seen you in a while. And oh my god, it was so cathartic to have a have you get up there, stand up comedian, tell the truth because so many comedians just went. They just towed the line. They all went silent. I mean, Colbert, I mean, these 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 late-night talk show hosts, Kimmel, I mean, they just went. They towed the line. They became, it was unbelievable what happened. It was so sad. And then you get up there in that parking lot, which you made. I remember you said, I can't believe it. I'm doing stand-up comedy in a parking lot of the Pineapple Hill Saloon. <laughs> um, and... It was so, everybody was so just like relieved to have someone tell the truth. You said something, where I, I had to ask you this. You, you made a comment, you, you told a joke that night where you compared wearing a mask to wearing a condom with holes in it. Do you remember that? Uh, no, it's kind <laughs> of like that, but no. The joke is, is that um, uh, it, the whole thing about the vax and I said, you're going to get vaxxed, but, and the guy wants me to get vaxxed. And he says, well, I, I said, well, aren't you vaxxed? And he goes, yeah, but it won't work unless you do it. <laughs> right. So then I said, when have we ever done that? That's like me going, hey, bro, I'm about to have sex with this little shorty, but I'm going to need you to wear a condom. Yes, that was. Because <laughs> we don't want to get her pregnant. Okay. We both don't want herpes. So I need, can you wipe your ass? Because I don't want chafing that was it i just took a shit can you wipe your ass that was it i I, i've been trying to remember that joke because i remember i was on the floor and it's exactly how it was that's exactly what it was i need i'm having sex with her but i need you to wear the condom so she doesn't get pregnant what (laughs) i mean it was that was a traumatic time i got bullied in a target in santa cruz by three women 
who. <laughs> Can I just jump in for a second? Because I I'm have to practice my listening skills. You are a young Jewish female. Did you go to Vassar? Dartmouth. Dartmouth. Educated New York writer, director, producer, actress, auteur, who's was probably brought up very liberally and very well super open minded. Yes, very and you do movies that you believe in, personal stories. And also from your perspective, you happen to be a female, which I don't you know. I never really understood everyone's PO until I saw Barbie. And then I understood, oh, that's a great way to tell a POV. Like, and you do it as well. It's like when it works, it works, right? Without people slamming down politics or identities. So you've done all this naturally. And that you go to just so people understand the background of this, this woman. Okay. She is in, you are, would be a super friend. You are a festival darling to Hollywood liberals. Do you agree? When you started. Oh, I, I didn't even think in terms of Hollywood liberals. I, I don't, I didn't even know that was a term or that was. I know, but I'm saying is the way you are. Yeah, they people would, think. They would take you up and put you in their little pocket. Yes, and in fact, when the whole pandemic started and people just. <laughs> I want to hear about okay. the target, but go, but keep going. Well, you'll like that. So you go I'm into the. get in trouble. No, there's nothing. To, there's no, what I'm about to say is going to get me in trouble. But you know what? This is the the good thing about we can when your when your career has is not happening for the moment. And I say for the moment because I don't believe anything's permanent. I can actually be honest and not have any fear of anything bad happening. So, um, actually, I thought you know what? Thank God because I was pitching a series that means the world to me. Right before the pandemic, I was in the middle of it. Uh, going into, you know, all, Showtime and all those places and Amazon. And those are the two we had started with. And, I, and then the pandemic hit. And I thought, you know, thank God if one of those had sold, if, if things were happening and my career was started again and one of those sold, I would have to be going along with all this. I wouldn't be able to speak out. So again, one maybe again, I keep saying I don't believe in God, but you know, maybe God was saying, you know what, I'm not going to make this happen for you now because it's going to really cause problems for you when the pandemic comes. You're going to have to go along to get along, and that is going to kill you. So I had nothing to lose, and when all of that happened, it, people would come up to me, friends, people I've worked with, my agent. I remember on the on a phone call, and they just assumed that I hated Trump. They just assumed that I thought people who weren't vaccinated were the devil. They just assumed it because I'm an open-minded person. And I thought, did you guys not even think that maybe I don't agree with you? Like, do you really think? Like, it was so, I went to a dermatologist, I'll never forget this. <laughs> and she started going on and on to me about, God, if Trump this and Trump that. And I'm thinking, I'm here, like, you're my, why are you, think that you can go on about this to me I'm here as I'm a patient and how do you even know I agree with you and usually I would say well actually I think his policies are really good and I really like what he's doing you know with starting all these black businesses and you know all the money he put into HBCs and they're like what's that a historical black college and do you know about this and do you know about that and of course they they would just you know they would freeze and 
You get a double bill. They'll double bill you for that. I, and they doubled the, the dermatologist. I think did overbill me that if day. It's, if it's not in Chatsworth, that dermatologist is going to triple bill you <laughs> or Simi Valley. And my husband would say, "Just be quiet." My parents, especially, they would say, "Like, why are you causing trouble?" And um, expressing your opinion is causing trouble. I'm saying because um, I can't live being, I can't, okay, this is the thing. I have friends who do agree with me and they'd say to me, it's not worth the trouble. We just nod our head. If we'd go out with friends and half the friends at the table were liberal and half the friends at the table were, had voted for Trump or maybe didn't vote for Trump, but were agreeing with what his policies were and so forth. The liberals would say all their stuff. And then the conservatives, they wouldn't disagree. They would just nod their head. They didn't want to get into it. And um, I remember a friend of mine said, don't out me. Don't out me. She said, I'm a Scientologist. And that I can, is, is better than people knowing I voted for Trump. Wow. She goes, I will lose my students. I will lose my profession if you tell people, don't out me. Don't out her. But is she still your friend? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I said, but you know what? If, if. If you don't, it's, if everyone's silent, then this is going to continue. Like, people have to know that, you know, the silent majority, right? That was a brilliant saying, the silent majority. There's so much I want to say and react to, but I'm going to say something like that. First of all, remember what you're about to tell me about Santa Cruz, but hold on. I, I was going to tell this to my peoples, but, um, oh, God, you got me goosebumps. There was a... I started doing a show during the pandemic. I started working on something during the pandemic. And uh, and it was fine. I was pretty outspoken. And people liked it that were working with the show. But the powers that be, you know, wanted me to do the game of, you know, the game. They didn't want it. They didn't say it. But it was implied that in order for me to keep doing this particular thing, I was going to have to. And uh, uh, oh. and I was like, I can't do that. And so, you know, nothing happened. It just kind of tapered off. But now, mm, I'm going to be working with them again. And they know, no. <laughs> and so it's like. They also know that f- doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you're okay. But the fact that, <laughs> yeah, that I waited <laughs> and the fact that. At one point, what was demonized is now considered good. And no one's ever said they're sorry. Ever. Like, we're sorry that we wouldn't hire you. Ever. Well, that was the whole thing about, remember the Santa Cruz story. When I did the Pineapple Hill Saloon, and thank you for seeing all those beautiful things. You're so sweet. It was literally because the hypocrisy was so real that I could have lit a fire. I'm going to get angry now. Okay, because I could take, and I don't care. I could take gasoline and I could light a fucking fire on the boulevard. I'm going to tell you why. Because you have a woman who owns Pineapple Hill Saloon, a small business owner, okay, who's, I don't know if she's divorced, if her husband died or whatever. She's a literally struggling, okay, a staple in the fucking community, okay, employs like great actresses and comedians as bartenders and waiters, like really like works with them as like when their schedule is open to get a job or audition, you know. Loving. It's like what you want in a day job as you're trying to make your dreams. Shut down. Shut down. Applies for everything. Rebuked. Shut down, shut down, shut down. Everything you want to say, right? And then one of the first productions that opens up 
she she was she applied to serve food outside to people with six feet. That was rebuked. Then masks and, and six feet. That was rebuked. Then I'll put all the food out and I'll make it like a fucking wedding buffet. That was rebuked. Okay. Rebuffed. Whatever. Whatever the fucking word is. <laughs> Rejected. Uh, I know. Across <laughs> the fucking way. Oh. I could get crazy. Get crazy. Was an 80-person fucking TV show. At least. 80-person crew. Literally. No masks. Talking. Sitting. Conversing. Not fucking six feet. Not two inches from each other. And she cried. And they're all allowed to eat and shoot a movie or TV show or whatever it was. Because Hollywood was paying big money and Newsom allowed that. But a small oh, business by a fucking woman who's just trying to survive wasn't. Literally, it was 50 feet from her property. The hypocrisy was so intense that I would have stood on that stage every fucking night until Gascon and every bum comes out. Because they're bums. I'm not political. I talked to Michael Rappaport the other day, who I love. I love him. And rap is probably different in beliefs and certain things than me. But we're both homies because at the end of the day, we're actors and we love to laugh and we both understand common sense. So even if he loves Trump and I fucking or hates Trump and I like Trump, not that I'm pro-Trump or he's anti-Trump, I'm just saying, we can still communicate. And my point is, is that I forget fucking my brain. But all I want to say is, is that I, it makes me so angry. Oh, I know what it was. He goes, why did you start doing it in politics? And I said, I said, why did you get into politics? He goes, because we both don't like politics. And we both talk about it on Instagram. And I said, I felt like because we had to. Right. And he's like, I know, right? Like, he's like. He's like, it's gotten so, we both said, it's gotten so bad that him and I are talking about it. Mm. That's insane, right? Fucking one of the stars of Copland and one of the stars of Malibu's Most Wanted. We're talking about fucking politics. That's, and that's how bad it's gotten. And you, a female, a, a director of, I would say rom-coms. Yeah. You do rom-coms. Yeah. With oh, a I've nice, never... with a nice message. I've. And yet, you're now you're as deep in it as anyone. You're deeper than any of those fucking late night hosts. Well, my movies, even though they're rom coms, they've always been about staying true to yourself. That's hundred percent. Yeah, and they, but they are, and there's a deeper message there. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, people could look at you as oh, walking out of your movies, always feeling good. I, you're I not hope this. So. You're not a you. You're not like doing these crazy dark. You know, it doesn't mean you can't or does, you don't have it in you. What I'm saying is, you're going to the deepest places in your life. And you're providing loving escape with a message. That's what I did. I, I provided, provided escape in comedy. Mm-hmm. And yet we're the ones talking. Yeah. Shouldn't it be? Well, because we're the, we're communicators and we're truth tellers. And so that's through comedy or, you know, personal stories. But Shouldn't it be Robert De Niro be ta- doing this? Well, he did. I mean, remember him, the way he talked about Trump? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, he, he did it the other way. Yeah, he did it the other way. Um you you brought up on one of your podcasts, which I, I didn't know because I you know it was so much going on to keep track of about Sean Penn, who we both can agree is a wonderful actor, and how much you you were saying you respected him, and how he was saying if you don't get vaccinated, you're walking around with a loaded gun, or I don't know what it was. It was something so extreme. He said this. I'll I'll, I'll repeat it for you. Okay. 
unvaccinated people are the equivalent of pointing a loaded gun in your face. Yeah, that is, where's the apology? Because, and the other one, what was it? Was it Biden who said this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated? Or was it Fauci? Yes. Who knows? They're yes. all the same. I mean, where's the apology? Okay, people say, well, they got it. My, my liberal friends. Okay, so they made mistakes. So they didn't know. Okay, okay. Then make, then say you're sorry. Yeah. Just say you're sorry. Yeah. People, if people would just say, you know what? Piers Morgan, I'm not, I don't follow him. I have no dog in the fight with him. But he was on a Ben Shapiro show. And he said, when people weren't getting vaccinated at the beginning, I was really nasty to them. I said, you're, you're an idiot. You're irresponsible. You're selfish. He said, and you know what? I was wrong and I'm sorry. And he is the, that is the only person I've ever heard say, I was wrong. I fell for the whole, you know, everything that was, was being said. And I'm sorry. And my father's a surgeon retired. And I finally said to him, dad, you still haven't said you're sorry. They, my parents were so mean to me about not getting vaccinated. What did they say? By the way, respect Pierce Morgan. What did they say? Yeah, no, I really respected him for saying that. I was, I was that, you know. Your parents, you told them the truth? Yeah, and, and I said, you know, Dad, you know natural immunity is real. Because I had had COVID in 2020 before the vaccine. I said, well, that's, I had natural immunity, which when they started saying it wasn't real, that's why I knew something was off. I plan to get the vaccine. I've gotten every vaccine. I'm pro-vaccine until, until this. So can't put the anti-vax label on me. Can't do it. But when they started saying, oh, natural immunity, no, 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 that doesn't last. Or that, that's just, then I knew something was up. I knew something was weird. And then when they started offering to pay me to get the vaccine. Um, donut. Yeah, donut. But actually. Um, $100. Yeah, they were giving money. And I thought. Hamburgers. But if a vaccine works, they're not going to pay you money to do it. it. Something's wrong. Something is off. But what really made me not get the vaccine was my son uh, was, you know, that they, they he was in college when it hit. He had just was a freshman. He came home for two years. <sighs> Can you imagine what that did to those kids? And they said, you can't come back until you get the vaccine. We're not allowing anyone back on campus now that we're opening up. After two years of sticking you at home on Zoom, you cannot come back unless you get the vaccine, which is blackmail, which is putting a gun to your head, basically saying you can't have a college education. They're 18 years old, right? Their risk of getting COVID is much lower than the risk of the vaccine. I mean, this is just scientific studies. He had to get it. So my husband said, well, you know what? I'll get it first so you don't have to feel scared about getting it. So my husband got it. He got so sick. Then my son got it. He got so sick. And I thought they are both got so much sicker than they ever got with COVID. Fuck this. I, I'm not taking this. I don't want to get that sick. Like... I already had COVID. How much worse could it be if I get it again? It wasn't that bad the first time, and I never got it again. I'm the only person I know. All my friends got vaccinated, and they've gotten COVID once, no, one, two, three times. <laughs> and they've been boosted, and they've gotten it so many times, I never got it again. Because natural immunity is real. And I never social distance. I never wore a mask. And I never, I mean, I just lived my life. Fear is powerful. Very powerful. And 
that's how you control a population. I'm not the first one to say that, but this was, you know, this this whole thing to me is t- now I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist. Go for it. Which I never was until this, but it's interesting that this has coincided with fentanyl because, and I am, I do work as a drug and alcohol counselor, and that's a whole other podcast, but part time. But you want to kill off a population, you want some population control, you get people high. It's the same thing with cannabis. I mean, big cannabis, you just make everybody high, mm-hmm. make them lazy, make them dependent, turn them into slaves to a substance. They'll do whatever you say. Mm. Very parallel with what was going on with COVID to me. These two things are kind of going on at the same time. I don't know. I just why with fentanyl because you fentanyl is killing people. Well, they could control it. I mean, they could control. They could control it coming into this country. They don't want to. They don't want to. And you can speak on that because that's what you do. Oh, I mean, that's a whole other pod. It's a whole other podcast. We can do another time. I can just tell you that so many of my clients they come from all over the country. Um, I work at a at a rehab. A nine bed rehab, and um, they usually come for thirty days. And as I said, they come from you know all all over the country, and I can't tell you how many of them relapsed or started during the pandemic their drug use. Mm. What more people have been destroyed by the policies of COVID than by COVID, and we know that. You know, not just businesses that were shut down, but the deaths of despair. And I work with the deaths of despair because some of my clients have died. They've overdosed. They leave and they overdose. Um, you know, if a few of them make it, I've, that's, that's what you have to focus on. You have to focus on the few that will make it. But what this did, it took away people's purpose. I say to them, why did you relapse? Because a lot of them come in and they've had long-term clean time or sobriety. And I said, why did you relapse? And they said, I had no job. I lost my job. I had no purpose. I was stuck at home. Mm. And I hear it over and over, and I just have to keep politics out of it. And I just have to be grateful that I work at a place that didn't make me get vaccinated and that didn't make me wear a mask and said, you know what? These people need help, and we, want, we need people to help them. And we're not going to say you can't help them because you're not vaccinated. Do you are how is your husband and son doing? They're fine. What college? UC Santa Cruz. Fucking hippies. It's always the hippies that are fake, open minded. Oh. Fake. Okay. You said they're fine and you made a face and I know why. Well, have I you worry. had that? Have you had I'm gonna tell you something and I don't wanna fucking fuck you up. Okay. No one in my family doesn't know him. Well, my brother knows I'm not unvaxxed. He knows that. And my sister does, but the rest of them. Whatever. I've always been fucking crazy in their eyes. <laughs> See you know what I mean? Um, but I think eventually as more shit comes up. My nephew knows. He knows the truth. But he's fucking runs that needle. Even though he understands there's a point to what I did. But he's young, healthy as hell. Probably got six pokes. It's insane. Yeah, I know. But here's the question. Uh, I believe. Oh, God, I don't even want to say this. <laughs> I'm going to say it, but there's so much I want to ask you. <laughs> Me and my boy, my boy, we grew up together. We have a lot of sisters and, you know, 
Um, You're the youngest, right? I'm the youngest. I got my one brother. He doesn't, but he's got a lot of sisters. I have a lot of sisters and a brother. Him and his mom are the only people that didn't get vaccinated in his family. I'm the only person that didn't get vaccinated in my family. There's another comedian I can't name who's like, you know, who lies everywhere he goes and says he's vaxxed to work. But Oh, I wonder who it is. Well, we have we have a group that we, we all talk to. There's another chiropractor. And we have often made real things that we're like prepared to see people in our lives go away. And I hate to say that. And I saw your face and the only reason I commented because your face looked like that and I don't want any of that to happen. But it scares me because this year somehow in the community of comedy and acting, maybe two I knew, the rest I knew peripherally have died. Eight people. Are you serious? From what? From what? Oh, uh, natural causes. Natural causes. Yeah, you know, forty-three-year-old, healthy, natural causes. You know, just died in their sleep, died in a really? car. See, I don't, I, I don't know any of those people. I don't know anyone. I'm trying to think. Um, I have a friend who I met at the dog park of all places, and a lot gets done there. <laughs> so much. It's the, it's, it's reality. It's like everyone is so happy and pure and when they're with their dogs anyway she said uh she's single and she said you know you don't know what it's like dating i won't have sex with anyone who's been vaxxed i love her (laughs) it's a pure blood and i i have to be honest i think it's a little crazy and i told her i'm like i'm not i'm not i'm like what's gonna happen to you like then she's like i mean you know she's like no no no, no. It's not just that what could go into my body. She's like, but it just is a whole philosophy that if they did that, and and I said, well, you know, I don't agree with that. But I mean, she's really far out. She's like, I have no dating pool because I won't have sex with someone who has who's been vaxxed. And I just think, um, I don't know. I, I like her. You want <laughs> you want me to set you up? I have a girlfriend. <laughs> of course you do. Who's a pure blood. Oh, it's a pure blood. It's a pure blood. She's a lucky woman. She's a lucky woman. Oh, we're all lucky. But I, I listen. I want to do a joke about that without alienating the audience because it's true. I have a whole other group. You want to hear another group? I don't want to fuck your time up, but this is so funny. <sighs> My friend who didn't get it, he goes like this. He's in big New York. I'll try to do him. He's like, all I do is I don't eat no nest. This is real talk. I don't eat no nest. So I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I'll get a blowjob. I'll put it in. I got a bag on. I ain't eating no nest. Wow. So he'll have sex with a vaccinated is woman. Is he black? No, he's a New York Jewish guy. But oh, okay. I, I, that was black accent. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. No, because um, I hear that black I hear that black men don't do that anyway. But I mean, no. I don't know if that's true. Well, yeah, we don't know. But I my other- That's a funny remark. My other buddy, who's a stuntman, <laughs> says that he will- Get a blowjob and have sex without a condom, but he won't eat out either. So I'm like, but you're already touching. I have to tell you, I think it's all crazy, but it's Isn't fine. That funny? You know what? Live and let live. <laughs> but see, it's a, it's, it's, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum, right? <laughs> yeah, you got a gender spectrum. Why can't we have a vax spectrum? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't mean we're queuing on anti-vaxxer, right? Well, you're you're with a man who is it. So, I mean, I I met somebody that was in your shoes, and they basically they've they feel like you, but you know, they didn't get it. But you're a woman, and you're being. 
I didn't get it because I don't like to be controlled. Exactly, but I'm saying your your partner has it. So yeah. if you, yeah. Well, I don't like that my son has it. I mean, my 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 husband is older, so I wasn't. You know, I know the older you get. You know, my parents have had it. They but, should get it. Like I I don't have issues. To me, it was for older people and immunocompromised people because they had a lot to lose. But when I see my son or I see young people being forced to get it, that absolutely enraged me. And making little kids wear masks. I, it's insane. And the way I was treated walking my dog outside by neighbors who would say, you're not wearing a mask. And I'd say, there's not a documented case in the world of someone getting COVID outside. That's not true. I mean, it dies when it's... It, we were across the street from each other. I mean, people when people wearing their masks in the car, and I'll go back to Target. I want to hear it. This is really politically incorrect, but... Go for it. Okay, you're going to love it. So these three women who didn't know each other, but they all came together and started yelling at me because I wasn't wearing a mask. Now, I have to say, I actually, when I wear a mask, I can't breathe and I start to get like a little bit panicky. So to me, that's worth worse for my health than if I got COVID because I didn't wear a mask and masks don't work anyway. But anyway, so I did not wear a mask ever, ever. And if I did, it was for just a couple seconds. So I wasn't wearing the mask. You're brave that you never wore a mask. I got. I was a bitch. Oh, no, I got yelled at and I didn't like it. But I wanted, I needed to fucking buy food at Trader Joe's, but I, I respect that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, Trader Joe's was a little tougher, a little more liberal. I mean, but Ralph's, I almost never, almost, that's where I go and. Most of the time, no one ever said anything. Okay. So you go in. A couple times it is. So I go into this Target in Santa Cruz, which is crazy, crazy, crazy liberal. And these three women just, they went insane. It was like, it, it was literally like I was just carrying a loaded gun. I mean, the way they reacted. And uh, one of them was really obese, the one who was really being mean to me. And when I left, and my husband was downstairs and... He was in line buying, and I went down, and I said, that woman over there in the, in the line, you know, she just attacked me. And he said, well, you should have said to her, you being obese is a lot more dangerous for you than me not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I never would have thought to say that. And I never would say that. I'm not that type of person, but I like saying it now. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is my wearing a mask had nothing to do with whether she was going to get COVID, but her being obese did. If she got COVID, she would get really sick. And the thing is, all the people smoking, everyone I know who was young and healthy, my age, people in their 30s and 40s and 50s who got COVID and got really sick, especially people in their 30s and 40s, were smokers. They were all smokers. Mm. But we didn't hear about that. I never did. And... Because it's the lungs, right? And then the obesity. Well, no, you don't want to fat shame people. Well, that's one of the number one things is if of, of pre-existing conditions if you're fat. Mm-hmm. So, no, just wear a mask and shut up. Because we don't want to shame people for smoking and being overweight. But those were the predictors, you know? And then there's other predictors that we just don't know, people's immune systems that, you know. But How much did they holler at you? It was bad. Like, give me a set, like a reenactment, one <laughs> of them. It was a while ago, but I'll never. Uh, okay, this is what it was. See, I've tried to block it out. You need to wear a mask. It's the law. What'd you say? I'm like, but it's okay in California to sit out there and shoot up fentanyl in front of a school. That's legal. But, I, but I'm breaking the law not wearing a mask. Clap back. And then what happened? 
And I guess I can go into that store and steal. I can actually steal $950 in this Target, and that's okay. But I have to wear a mask. So let's talk about the laws. Yeah, it used to be a law that you had to wear a yellow star on your arm if you were Jewish. That was a law. I don't really go with it just because it's a law. That's going to get you in trouble. But as a Jew, you should be able to say that. I'm Jewish. I'm No, I'm saying like... I know what you're like saying. Like laws are... You know, it was so funny, which is like, it's the law. Well, just because it's the law. I mean, what is the law? We, we're we living in a, in a state of lawlessness today. This state has no laws. I mean, you saw what happened with people going into that. Topanga Canyon. Oh, my God. And it's it's just, so don't quote the law to me. You know, it's, it's uh, and again, I was far away from these people. So it was more like you're not being controlled. It was about control. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sneezing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't coughing. Mm-hmm. Then I can understand them being upset. Wow. You didn't hit them with one like, shut up, blimp. <laughs> I'm so not like, I never would have thought of saying lose weight and you'll have, no, I would never, that, that wouldn't even cross my mind, but my husband said it, you know, I was like, oh. It just, um, situational ethics. That's what we're living in. What does that mean? Situational ethics. Ooh, ethic. this is good. What time do we even start? I don't even know. It's just like I'm on a timeless or journey. Do, do as I say, not as I do. That's Situational true. ethics means your ethics changes within the sitch. Yeah, it's like what I decide, right? It's based on the situation. It's not an objective. It's not objective. It's subjective. And so. <sighs> this is incredible. It's, it, it's, it's, I'm not saying that this was the case, but if this woman saw some... Poor people, poor, I'm going to put in quotes because how do you know, but come in and steal stuff and walk out. That would have been maybe okay for her, but me not wearing a mask was yeah, that's, sacrilege. That situation. You're, you're, the, you, you're the one uh, causing a felony. They're not. Right. Yeah. How, how long have you lived in Los Angeles? Since 19, June 1990. Wow. I'm, okay. I'm from Miami, actually. You are? I thought you were a New Yorker. Miami Beach? No, Miami, South Miami. Like, okay, so you're in Miami, and your yeah. dad are, your dad was what doctor? Uh, eye surgeon. Eye surgeon, your mom's what? She was a school teacher before uh, being a full-time mom. Wow. And they're from the Midwest. They're Chicago and Detroit. I love a nice Miami girl. Like, I have another friend who's a, who's a, from, reared from Miami. Similar upbringing as yours. Like, I think it's a good, it's a, just a different vibe. It's more laid back, common sense. And it's very international. Yes. Which I love. People from all different um, cultures. and It really is. So that's good. So your parents live down there like South Dade County or somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So my friend Flip, he's from Fort Lauderdale. I love that whole vibe. of It's a good community down there. Um, and how many movies have you directed? Four. Four. So I Love You Don't Touch Me. Something Julie... No. Amy's orgasm. Amy's orgasm was the biggest one. The next one was? All Over the Guy. Huge. And then our movie. Yeah. So All Over the Guy, was that, um, oh my God, I don't know, no disrespect to the girl. Was it the girl who, the blonde haired girl, star of it? No, it was actually, you're way off base, but that's okay, because it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> It was a gay romantic comedy. Oh my bad. No, no, it's a and and if you were a gay man, you probably 
would have seen it. It was a really popular. I'm so proud of it. They, we like to call it when Larry, when Harry met Larry. Joey Lauren Adams. Oh no! Well, that was Chasing Amy. My bad. I wish that was a movie I made because that would really be, because that movie was so successful. But um, no, all over the guy was a gay romantic comedy. It was low budget, and it was a really big. Um, it's it's one of the they they said it's one of the top fifty gay films ever made. Like on the on the list, I read that somewhere, and I'm really proud of it. And it's it. There's no agenda in it. It just happens to be two men who fall in love, and they're dating up and down ups and downs, and being gay really never even comes up in the movie. It's just real, you know, relationships are relationships. Mm-hmm. Love is love to quote, and it, it it doesn't have an agenda. And I think it was one of the reasons they wanted a straight woman. Um, to direct it so it would just be about the relationship you got hired for that i got hired so wait your movie i love you don't touch me was your baby that was my baby and then amy's orgasm was my baby and amy's orgasm i actually acted in yes you starred in it and then caroline aaron who um plays shirley mazel on the marvelous miss mrs mazel wonderful actress wonderful person she was friends with don roos and dan bukatinsky gay couple they were dan was trying to make his first movie and they were looking for a director and she said i just worked with uh, julie davis she knows how to stretch a dollar she's (laughs) no one can stretch a dollar better because they they also were made they had five hundred thousand dollars to make this movie and it was dan's baby and um we all met and uh they hired me yeah but that movie made its money back yeah that movie did well lionsgate bought it um, it got a theatrical. Got a theatrical release worldwide. And um, it was a good movie. It was a good movie. I'm really proud of it. I just thought of something. What? <laughs> what is that a fly? Yeah, there's a fly buzzing I'm around sorry. me. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's it's. Uh, I went to the gym. I think I, I should have taken a shower. No, stop it. Stop <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. And then Finding Bliss, which took years. There was a big <laughs> gap to get that one financed. But uh, Am I, can- I the career killer? Oh my God! You know you're what? the last movie you directed was one with me. <laughs> no, 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 no! Oh my God! You're, you know we what? went to Sundance. The problem with that movie was that we did not. Oh boy, I don't even want to go there. Go there? No, I don't even want to go there. I <sighs> a tiny bit. Okay. The problem with the movie is what? Well, you know. The, the the script was much better than the movie. And why was the script much better than the movie? Because, and I'm not going to say because there wasn't enough money. Because we had over, because the money was not used properly. The money went into pockets oh, of people. Who took in, that money? Instead of onto the screen. Which my three movies before that, all the money went on the screen. Who took the money? You can, you, I, I can edit it out. Was it Jeff? Well, there were... There were so many producers. I think Hollywood's done, so you can go off. Well, there were so many producers. I mean, you know, when you see these movies sometimes, and there's so many producers, which is such an insult to the real producer. The real producer who does all the work, Mm -hmm. right? Who gets that movie going, who gets the money up on the screen, who just shepherds that project from the beginning all the way to the end. The real producer, right? The one who gets the Academy Award for Best Picture, because that goes to the producer, they are so watered down now because everyone who had anything to do with that movie gets a producing credit. Oh, my friend, 
uh, we'll give you $50,000, but I want a producing credit. Oh, I will introduce you to this actor, but I want a producing credit. And then these people are never seen from again. And at the end of the day, there's like 10 producers, eight producers, and they're all taking a piece of the pie, and then there's no money left to go on screen. I mean, this is for low budget, but that's what happened with Finding Bliss. There was no money left to go onto the screen, and I was also forced into using certain people I didn't want to use in crew and cast positions. So, you know, a director is as good as the choice, you know, who they hire, mm-hmm. and not just the actors, but the production designer, director of photography, the editor. I mean, you're as strong as your weakest link. And there were a lot of weak links. And I just lost, didn't have control. But I made the choice. I had Jamie Kennedy. I had Kristen Johnston. You know, two of my favorites. I had Matt Davis. I had some good actors. And Lily. And Lily and PJ and Mercea and... And Denise. Denise Richards. You have a lot of good people. But in some of those smaller roles, mm-hmm. I had to do local hires, mm-hmm. and they were not good. And you know, when you can't have one scene with a bad actor, the whole movie feels it. And you can't have if you don't have the production designer you picked. The whole the production designer is like a lead actor. Mm-hmm. Think of Barbie with a bad production designer. The production design was a was it was a, a star. Yes, yeah, star for sure. So you know, movies are it's a miracle that a good movie ever a movie turns out well because there are so many things that can go wrong. One, you know, wrong choice, one wrong casting choice, one wrong, you know, crew choice. And, uh, it was hard. You know, I, um, I love the story. People don't know that this is how we know each other. I've known her before this, but we did this movie together, finding bliss. And it was your original idea about a woman. And it was based off of your truth. Yeah. So tell a quick log line of the movie. So it's it's based on my experience when I first moved out to Los Angeles at 21, wanting to be a filmmaker, writer, director, telling personal stories. And the only job I could get was editing porn. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And in the movie, kind of amp it up, she's like the star of her film school. You know, Gary Marshall, who actually is in the movie. Yeah, Gary's in it. Great guy. Um Gary Marshall is the one who gives her, you know, best student film award at her at her AFI, you know, re- commencement. That's the opening of the movie, and then cut to she's like, you know, directing traffic on the studio lot and can't make ends meet, and she gets this opportunity to edit porn and the and that's real. It parts of you know. Did you edit porn? I did edit porn. For what company? I wasn't the star of my film school, but I did edit porn. <laughs> Gary Marshall didn't give me best student film. But um, while well, I edited, I was the senior producer of on-air promotions at Playboy, the Playboy Channel. But the Playboy Channel... Softcore. That's what people think, but they ran after midnight. They had to deal with Vivid Video. And they would do cutdowns of Vivid hardcore porn, and my job was to cut out the hardcore. Wow. Wow. So I would look at the dailies. And this was before Viagra. So I would look at the dailies of the man not being able to get a heart on. It would be take one, take two, take three. Okay, he's hard. Let's go. Take four. And I would be the one looking at the dailies and, you know, cutting out, cutting the the hardcore out. I can't believe that. So you edited porn and you had to, you basically had to make the TV edits. I did the TV edits, yeah. And the, how, the long did, how long did you do that for? One year, 
to the day, I said to myself, I'm not getting stuck here. I, some of my coworkers had been there for years and they had other dreams. One was a musician. Um, and I remember very specifically like how he had just been working in the tape room for years and they were all just, this was supposed to be temporary and here they were, you know, and, and, and that was my greatest fear is that, oh my God, I can't wind up, you know, I went to Dartmouth I was a senior fellow. I made a student film. I went to AFI. You know, I'm like this nice Jewish girl from Miami. I, I, I don't belong here cutting, you know, softcore porn. Like, this cannot be my life. And it was so, so incongruous with what I, my ambitions. And I got out when I got what I could. And what I, what I could, and I got a lot. I learned, you know, I learned the AVID huge. I learned to edit on the Avid. So like the greatest thing I learned about how to do on-air promotions, you know, how to craft them, how to write them, edit them, do the online. I met great people. My coworkers were so great. And I learned a lot about sex. I have a lot of questions. Was it at the Vivid on Coenga? Oh no, it wasn't on Coenga then. So it was at Vivid where? Well, Vivid then was in the Valley on Hatteras because I had to go there once. But I didn't go to Vivid. I worked at the Playboy, which was above the Mercedes dealership on Maple Drive, which was the most gorgeous building. And it was all of Hef's artwork. There was an enormous breast. I'll never forget this. It was an oil painting of this huge tit on the stair above the staircase because it was a double layer the the building was um the office was two late two levels mm-hmm. it was all open it was gorgeous it was like this glass staircase and on the side of the staircase and you go up and down my office was on the third floor the editing room was on the second so i was always going up and down it was this enormous oil painting of a erect nipple and it was so beautiful and it was and i would sometimes look like this is crazy like i just came from dartmouth and and now this is where i this is where I spend my days. But it was a celebration. I mean, it was, they treated it like we were working for the Wall Street Journal. I mean, my boss was so serious. He was so professional. If I had, like, you know, a second too long on a cut, he would make me redo it. And I'm like, you know, this is like for people to jerk off to. Do I really need to do another second? Like, really? I mean, I'm, we're really going to go through how many frames, like, of the cut. What would he say? He was so professional for him. It was, he took this very seriously and it was good for me. Like I worked with people who were really professional and it was funny because, um, because of what we were doing, but it was a business since a business that doesn't exist anymore. You know, this was before the internet and how did I have so many questions? how did you get the job? I got the job because I was constantly editing. Um, so I was making a living as I was writing, try, you know, writing scripts. I was making a living as an editor. And I would get these freelance editing jobs. And I would edit in my little apartment in Hollywood. So I was always renting equipment. And I'd be carrying the equipment in and out of my apartment. And one of my neighbors one day came up to me and said, you know, I see you're, you know, you're an editor. And my friend works at the Playboy Channel. And they're looking for a, like, head editor. Wow. Are you interested? Wow. Oh my God, a real job? Like a real job? And I said, yes. And oh my God, that was... They loved you. You're perfect because you are such professionally trained and you're such a high, classy individual. And 
you know, they thought they were doing that. And in a, in a way, they were. I mean, you could consider Playboy the Rolls Royce of porn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you go in and you do that. And you said some interesting stuff and I have questions. So you saw that classy tit. Do you think porn porn has innovated a lot of things that people don't give it credit for? Like you learned to be an editor. Yeah. It also innovated the paywall. Mm, interesting. I have nothing to say about that, that I don't know much about that. Okay. But do you, 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 you cut your teeth on this. I did. I learned so much. I mean, I edited eight hours a day. And I have to say it was a little different then because they also had original movies. And some of these movies were not bad. <laughs> they really were not bad. And I remember some of them till this day. They were, you know, like kind of Red Shoe Diaries type, but they were features. And um, mm. they weren't bad. And I think I also got, you know, see this, I, I know you're going to relate to this. You know, I was never successful like you were successful. I mean, you are successful. And then you had this huge moment. I mean, you had your own TV show. Right. You were in some huge movies that you were the star of. But you have never you've always been a little bit of an outsider because mm. you're just because there's an authenticity to you. And I say that I say that as a compliment. Thank you. I say that as a compliment. You're not like a typical Hollywood guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And. There was something about working there that was. Other people would never have taken that job in my situation. Never. It would be slumming. There's a part of me that's really interested in other cultures. And in, that's a culture. That is a culture. Mm -hmm. um, it's a whole world. Mm -hmm. It's a world of, of, of very damaged people, too. Very much. And it's not that different than the world of uh, recovery. People, which is, I've noticed, um, it's people who've had a lot of trauma and they've found a way to metabolize their pain into something. Now, I tended to work with, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about some of the ones who just uh, weren't able to do that, but I worked with some good people um, on that side. This isn't coming out the way I want it to. I'm having trouble finding my words. But I think there was, they're just people, and we looked down at them. And I think there was a part of me that looked down at them that I needed to humble myself. And that's why it was a, it was a good experience for me, because I came from an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. you know, it's upper-class Jewish, Miami, you know, prestige, all that crap. And here I'm in a world, right, with for use of a better word, the drags are losers of society. That's how people see them. That's how people see them. They feel sorry for them. They'll jerk off to them, but they'll feel sorry for them. And they put them over here. They put them over here. And it was, um, it was a good experience for me to immerse myself in that world and learn because you always have something to learn from people. And I wanted to pay tribute to some of the, the people that I met in that business in Finding Bliss. That was a big part of that. And you played one of those characters because the character you played, Dick Harder, was such a lovable, right, naive, but lovable, good-hearted person. I met some good people 
mm-hmm. on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually makes me think about, and I know I shouldn't talk about it, Ron Jeremy. I know. You can talk about it. What's your, what are you going to say? It makes me so sad. Yeah, you know, he's funny. He's so a good, funny. he's a good actor. He was in the movie. Yeah, he was, uh. But, uh. Well, you know, I spent some. Good con- rapist. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. That this is the thing. He, I stayed in a hotel room with him. You did? Yeah, this is why, like, I'm like, I don't know if I should talk about this, but. We can edit it out, but. You sounds, can edit it, it out. It sounds amazing. It is kind of an inter- I mean, you know. Go ahead. What do I have to lose? <laughs> I'm already burned down to the ground anyway. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> um, he, so when we went up to Sundance, he came. Because mm-hmm. he was kind of like what the press wanted. They wanted, even though he had just a little part. He had like two scenes, one scene. He was the first, one of the first crossovers. Like Ron wanted to be, so people understand, he wanted to be a real actor. He's funny. He is a total 70s, you know, early 80s look. He really was the original Dirk Diggler. But he just had this huge hog, you know, and it was discovered. Like I think he told me in a urinal, like literally a guy looked over and he had it. He's like, really? And then. That's actually not the real story. You're going to love the real story. Okay. Well, his best joke to me ever, I was like, if he's like, if. Nine three quarters. Yes. From the floor. You ruined it. I'm sorry. Oh, I messed it up. He, he goes like, like this. He goes, I go, is it true? Because I heard to ask him that. And he goes, what? It's nine and three quarters. And if anyone ever tells you it's 10. No, he says, 10 inches? Hold on. We got to make this right. I, I go, is it true? And he goes, 10 inches? He goes, no. It's nine and three quarters, and anyone tells you it's a quarter inch more is a liar. That's hilarious. Now, I can't say that. Can a person be a monster in one and funny in another? They Both things can be true. Well, I don't know if he's a monster, and this is the thing. You like, should say it, because I, I liked Ron a lot, but you know you can't say that. He's a, But again, I'm not a young 16-year-old. Go ahead. Look, I only can tell my experience. Yes. Right? And so... I have to say that I knew him in 2005. Tell me the real story how he got in and then go back to that. Oh, the real story of how, of how Ron got into porn was he was dating this he was dating this woman. I think he was like... Put it a little closer to your oh, mouth. That's okay. weird doing this segment. Okay. So Ron, when he was, I think about 19, maybe, maybe 20, he was dating this woman. And she looked in the back of Playgirl magazine. She goes, oh, they're having like a contest, you know, like longest penis or best penis or whatever, you know, and you have such a big one. You should send a photo. And she took a Polaroid. Mm-hmm. And she sent it in. And he got a call and they said, come out to L.A. We want to do a, like a photo shoot with you. This is the story he told me. So it was a girlfriend sending in a Polaroid. And the rest is history. Now, what's really interesting is that Ron's dream, what Ron did, his degree, he's a special ed teacher. I have a brother who's deaf and has a lot of, you know, emotional problems and disabilities. So when I found out that Ron was a special ed teacher, that really hit my heart because it takes a certain person to be a special ed teacher. Then when I found out that he played Chopin, it was a really good classical pianist, something else that is a passion of mine, that really impressed me. 
and it was so incongruous with him being a porn star. And I I was just a fascinating person, right? Because he was so completely unique in those ways. Had a great relationship with his parents. His parents were married until his mother passed. Um, He looked like he looked like a jewel. He looked like a diamond dealer. Yeah, (laughs) a guy you meet in the jewelry district. Now, was he a sex addict? Well, I mean, he's had he's the biggest porn star of all time. He had sex with thousands of people in thousands of situations. Why would a sex someone who can have sex anytime, any place, rape be a rapist? I mean, these are just interesting. Who knows? All I know is in 2005, I worked with him on something, and he got frisky with me, and I said, "Stop it! I'm married." And he said, but. Frisky how? Okay, that's a good, that's important. He, I don't know, he like grabbed my butt. You know, it's like he squoze my ass, right? And I said, stop it. I said, that's, don't do that, I'm married. And he said, but that's like the same guy all the time. Like, don't you want to like, aren't you into trying someone else? And I said, no. And he looked at me like I said, I ate babies. He couldn't understand. It was like, it was so unfathomable to him that someone would want to be monogamous and not be curious. And he said, okay, I respect that. I'm sorry. All right. And then he was like, can I just give you a little massage? You know, I, I do right. it. This is just the way he was, right? And I said, well, yeah, you can rub my neck. It's sore. You know, it was something like that. Then, okay, cut to um, Sundance. Okay. Okay. And he comes up there because he's going to promote the movie. And we're staying in a condo together at Sundance. Me and him. Alone. Alone. Whose idea was that? Well, we weren't we were alone the first The budget was low. Yeah, well we were alone I think for one night. And then my parents were gonna be coming the next day. Did you offer him your room or he offered you your room? No, I had the room. And, he, and Ron you're like, Ron, stay with me. And he had the couch. But you were like, stay with me. Yeah. Okay. I don't even remember. It was just, it was yeah. one condo and, and... Very normal in Sundance. Yeah. No, it was actually two bedrooms, but my parents were coming the next morning. And so he stayed on the couch. And uh, yeah, there was low budget and he's notoriously cheap. He didn't want to play for his own Oh, place. yeah. He's big time. So I remember he, it was that night before my parents came the next morning. They were flying in from Miami. It's already a sitcom. And... Um, <laughs> Of course, you know, they never heard. My dad had heard of him. My mom had no idea who he was. So he said, can I give you a massage? It was like, it's the same old bullshit that he did 10 years before. And I said, yeah, you can, you know, give me a massage. And so he was giving me a massage. And then he started to like go down below my, uh, you know, um, I was lying down. He went, started to go down towards my butt. And I Are said, you dressed? Yeah, I was totally dressed. All and right. I said, stop it. I can laugh because it was silly. I said, stop it. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I got, I said, Ron, I'm married. Don't do that. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he did the same speech again. He's like, but aren't you curious? And I said, you know what, Ron, I'm not attracted to you even if I was curious. And I'm not curious. And he's like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend you. I said, no, just why do you, you know? And that was it. So this is my thing about Ron. If he was a rapist, right, it would have been really easy. Now, in a in a condo with nobody around, right, and he does try. Every time I ever met him, he was always trying. Mm-hmm. That's just the way he is. Like, he, 
he's a porn star. He's always the way he communicates with people is sex is through sex. Mm-hmm. That's his way of like you doing stand up comedy. His is you know having sex. Mm-hmm. That's just his way of communication. I had to kind of figure it out because it was the strangest thing. He was always always trying to like you know coming on to people on the set, but nothing he. I can't imagine him raping. I, he, first of all, you could push him away. He had no strength. I can't imagine him ever forcing anybody. But what I can imagine, I know someone who had sex with him. And she said to me at the whiskey, which is where he was supposedly raped a lot of people by the bathroom. And she said to me. Whiskey or rainbow? The, I think it was the whiskey. Maybe it was a rainbow. And she mm. said, you know, we were friends. And one night he it was back in the by the bathroom and he was trying to like you know have sex with me and i kept pushing him away and he just said come on come on and i finally said to him okay just stick it in now i'm telling that story because that's not rape and she is also upset by this because she was actually one of those girls who she's like i could have said no and i didn't and just stick it in she said that to him that those are her words just stick it in and leave me alone now, Jesus Christ, people don't. No, I never forgot that because the new I'm, generation won't understand that. But it, <laughs> hold crazy. on, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get trouble. So she was like, she's, so you guys treated him like a gnat. He was like a gnat. Well, he wasn't that to me. I, I was like, stop it. What are you no, doing? No, but you stopped. But you didn't. He wasn't. Bumblebee, where you like, get out of my apartment. You're like, you little fucking nag, get away. Right, because he wasn't a threat. I, he I, wasn't a threat. So, but she said, just stick it in at where, where you could go to the bathroom at the whiskey. But it was private enough that you could just stick it in there, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and I just asked her. Just stick it in. I asked her after he was arrested after it got really bad and he's never coming out of prison. Well, now he's demented. It's uh, now he has dementia. He he can't even stand trial. It's so sad. I asked her again. I said, you know, I'm just curious, like how forceful was he with you? Like what really happened? And she said, he wasn't, I just, it was me. He just, that's just what he did to people. And I don't think he's a rapist. And I think this is, you know, so, I mean, I only know my own experience. I cannot, he's not forceful. He's not a forceful guy. He's he's a horny 15-year-old boy in a man's body. And when you say no, he goes away. That was my experience. And for anybody listening to this who he really raped, I, I will, you know, it's horrible. If it's true, it's horrible. I know that this was my friend and... There's mental illness there. There's definitely mental illness. There's definitely maybe a spectrum that he's on the spectrum. Not taking cues. Like not taking social cues when a woman says, you know, I'm not comfortable or when a man knows when to stop. But forcibly raping someone, I just can't see it. I know him for too long and spent too much time with him. But. Was your friend a porn star? No, but she's definitely uh, open-minded, loose, loose. Okay, you can say that. You know, that's a that's a dicey thing you weave. But you you're a common sense person, and you're saying your experience it wasn't that way. You know, I mean, um, am I going to get in trouble for saying that? I'm not saying that those people were lying. I'm just saying this was my experience, and mm -hmm. when I see him with now with dementia, 
wearing those in the orange prison thing, it just makes me so sad. Now you have a soft spot for him. I do. I really, I really do. We we had we had some really good times together, and I think uh, I think he's a good. I think he has a good heart. And again, I, I do think there's some mental illness there, with not being able to read cues and and just something is a little off. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a woman. I, you know, I've worked with Ron a couple of times. He's done, a, he was the one guy from porn that would do comedies and he, he was always been funny to me and he's been a good guy. Well, I brought it up because I saw him. Yeah. He gave me his hot sauce. Oh yeah. The hot sauce. Yeah. He came to my birthday parties. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. um, I never saw him do anything any weird. Uh, he would always bring around a girl or two that was beyond of age that he was like, you know working in the business with. And, and, and he had a girlfriend for years. She girlfriend. was a nurse. He would fall asleep driving uh, in his car. He had narcolepsy. Yeah. Um, but we don't have to use any of this. I mean, this this could just be like totally off topic or another. It could know. be. Or we could, well, I'll, I'll give you the, the choice of that. But hold on. I want to ask you one more thing because I could talk to you for 20 years. Um, It's incredible. You have such perspective, you know, but it's like, look, what you just said is so fascinating, right? Like, I'm going to say something, and I'm a little out of it right now because I did this weird shot. But Julie said, and remember her background, Ron would come up and grab your ass. Yeah. And you just took agency over yourself. And you're like, hey, man, don't fucking do that. It wasn't even that he grabbed your ass. You see the first thing you said? I'm married. Not don't grab my ass. Right. So people will come for you and say, why don't you address the grabbing of your ass? And not that it's okay. And not that, um, and not any of it. But there, there it is a time up until the great of 2017 where, and again, none of it was okay. But Hollywood is now that was over the line. Now, lucky he got a cool chick, and don't come for me for that. Meaning that somebody who can just say stop it, and you can push him away, and say to him, and, "That's not a, that's not okay," yes. and that you crossed a boundary. And why would you do that? But yes, but you let it go. It's oh, yeah. it's gone in eight minutes. Yeah, because he. But I'm saying he wasn't threatening to me. But that's the town. So many people don't understand that that there's people way worse. There's also people that are innocent. There's a lot of fucking people hug too long. I I can't tell you the amount. How about this? This was a common thing on set. You'd be on set, and um, you ever have like an an actor would just come and start like. I watch this all the time. They massage an actress. Or vice versa. Actresses will come. Massage. That's not weird to me, but it happens all the time. I think what's worse is the open secret of all the quid pro quo. Quid pro that, quo. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Quid pro, pro quo. Quo. There's a reason I can't say that quid right. Quid pro quo, which is what? Which is... I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And that is a much more, and that's kind of the whole Harvey Weinstein thing, is I'm going to give you a part if you give me a blowjob. And I won't do this for you if you don't do this for me. And for some reason, that to me is much more, um, because I think it still happens. It's just uh, probably more subtle now because people have to be more careful. But I still think that's, that's the real... Well, let's start at our baseline at rape and assault is bad. Yeah. Okay. So let's start there. We both are on the same page. Okay. And 
But I'm just saying people, him grabbing your ass right there, that's like a second degree rape in people's eyes, right? And you're just like swatting away, right? I'm just telling you. Yeah. The goalpost has changed. The goalpost has changed. So let's just go back. And I've had female producers do that to me. I didn't think twice of it. It was a compliment. You know what I mean? Right. So let's go back to quid pro quo. To me, it's, it's, it's what makes it really bad is that if they do it and there's someone in power and then you can't say anything and God knows what they're going to do next and you have to stay silent, that is the... But you're not talking about assault. You're talking about a, con- you're talking about a contractual unsaid said. So you're saying is the guy's like, and we'll just, usually this is how it is, a guy, which I've never been involved with any of this shit, I always just thought you audition. You know what I mean? And I'm also not a young ingenue, but don't think gays didn't like me. You know what I mean? It was a twink moment in my career. And so, but again, like anyone who did, that wasn't my path, you know? I wasn't anything, I've never had anything weird happen to me, but there's definitely flirting from all sides, right? So, and plus I was just funny, I could just, disarm people you know what you're saying i want to take your take on this because you're you are a director right you're an actress too but let's just say you're a director and a writer and you got this guy okay have you ever in your mind when you're married now i'm gonna go here and figure this out (laughs) have you ever said a guy he's got two scenes in a movie and you're like man you're not terrible, but you're not great, but you're not known. If you just lick me <laughs> oh for God. about 12 minutes. Wow, that's a long time. <laughs> I'm going to get you that SAG card. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, that's like me thinking of you know, going to the dog park, opening up the trash can, and eating a bunch of shit. Who's the trash can? You know, like a re- like. That's the situation. That's how crazy that is. Okay. Like that is so crazy. I have to tell you something. That, <laughs> I don't know why my mind went to the dog park I, and it's always with the dog park with you. Which I well, well, because I got so much to say about this. But I, there's a really funny female comedian, and she was going back on the road. I'm not going to name her name, but she was so educational, like a top ten moment in my life. And she goes, "I fucking hate going on the road." And I'm like, "Why?" She said, "Because I get lonely. I'm gonna miss my fucking." boyfriend it's gonna fuck my relationship up or whatever and i'm like yeah but you go and i know it gets tiring but you're fun and she's like she's like i'm not a male comic i'm not gonna wait for one of these audience members to blow me like female comics don't wait at the end of the night and go who's gonna eat me out and i was like that was like life opening changing for me so is that how it is as a male comedian no as a male comic you definitely enjoy female attention if you're straight yeah, well, I know... And, you you know, people I, offer things to you, so that could be a benefit to the job. So, not to turn this on you, but it I am... It didn't curious. even fucking cross her mind, and I just, like, that was an insight into females that I was like, this is great to yeah. learn. What are you going to say? Yeah. Well, you know... No, you're about to ask me something. Well, I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. because... I still didn't even get to ask the other part. Go ahead. Well, if you... No, go back. So... You get a lot of attention, like a rock star, right? And then you have people come up afterwards. And certain people come up and they really, you can tell that that they're trying to offer you sex, like almost like a prostitute. Yeah. Oh, sure. And that's attractive. Like, is it just like, oh, she's really hot, so I'm lucky I'm getting this for free? Or I I can't even. 
without a connection, without, you know, it's so, it's just not attractive. Like, see, sex is just a transaction, but that's the whole thing with men and women. We're different. Because when women say, oh, I just want to get some dick, I never believe it. I mean, I know they're kind of, I just don't believe it. I don't. I love that you say that. Uh, <laughs> what do they say? Say it again. No, when women... Say, I just what? Oh, when... If a woman says, oh, I just want to get some dick, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> you know what I see? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Because my girlfriend, which took me a long time to say those terms, is... Hit me to this. You and her, we get along like two peas in a pod. Sapiosexual? Yes. 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 Oh, my God. I, you were the first person. Sapiosexual. Yeah. So she's literally has to be like, what, like you're an amazing piano player or you're in the same mindset or you, you're connected through either laughing at the jokes and or, you know. Your intellect. Your intellect or you your kindness or there's just like four or five things that you're just connected to this person and that will get you juicy. Yeah. And, if and it's, it's not even sexual. It's an, it's a it's a connection of right. of like a bond and then sex is the byproduct. Right. And then the sex is, is really good because Explosive. it comes. Because it's otherwise. Actual love. It's actual love sex. Yeah. Which I learned from her. I know. I never really. Well, because I want to go back to what you're saying. That's the truth. Like, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. You know, it's well. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's yeah. It's crazy. I can't even believe I'm talking about it. But that's what that is. And sapiosexualism from uh, mm -hmm. from her and from what you're describing is you literally are just like hugging and holding each other because you enjoy this person so much, and then you know fuck and you end up having sex like but it's not even it's like it's it's literally a one union thing like as nobody's doing it at that person which is you know a different thing but she listen there's a lot there's 25 podcasts what you're just asked but the difference between men and women until you really meet somebody and i've lived you know i'm doing this almost 30 years so you know and i went from you know having like a girlfriend in high school going to second base to like nothing to nothing for a while. And then being a funny guy in acting class. And even that was like, you know, I got attention, but it made me a little fun, but not all the way. And then all of a sudden I'm starting to get fame. And then I never dated, never had to do any of that. You know what I'm saying? So, and you're, so to answer your question is, that's how different men and women are is men literally want to catch a nut mm -hmm. and women want to love a nut. They don't even, it's like your vagina. This is why I have a whole thing with the new like empowerment of women and talking. They talk like they think dudes talk. No dudes talk like that. No dudes worth your salt. You know what I mean? Like, you know, pimps in the game, and I mean that with the most up respect, like guys that you would find attractive, none of them ever talk like that. They right. talk like women because we are, but we're men. You know what I mean? And that's what real women like. So these women trying to act like these frat bros, it turns me the fuck off. Class is out the window. 
bring back Elizabeth Taylor. Yep. And, you know, you just said this. So it's like you can't when a woman says, I just want to get some dick. I love that you said that because I agree with you. I never believe that shit. I believe. (sighs) I believe there's a lot of shit there. And that you just said that you can't look at a guy and just be, oh, I'm horny. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be pushback on that. But I do believe a lot of women are sapiosexual, where men can literally see just a body part. Right. Like if an it's ass, biological. If an ass was just walking down the street with legs and nothing else and maybe two hands, <laughs> men would be like, let me get in there. Well, that's why men have the real doll. And yeah. where's the real doll for women? I don't... Well, they have Bob. Well, yeah, you could say... Okay. Battery well, you got op- me on that one, but... Battery-operated boyfriend. Yeah. They've got toothbrush. Yeah. They've got doorknobs. I mean, come on. Women use a lot of objects. Yeah, but it doesn't have a whole head and body attached to it. Well, neither do neither do men. Men could yeah, I know, I know. Let's not get into put that. it in. A, yeah. I know, but you know the whole real doll concept of like I don't even want her. It, it it's like a woman. Well, it's like the movie Her, or I, I just I want like it looks like a woman. It's a whole body. It's where AI is going. Yes, and I don't think women are going to with AI are going to want a computer-generated, perfect-looking man to have sex with the way men might want a computer-generated, perfect-looking woman. That, that, we're just different like that. That's so true. Can you imagine women getting the AI man? It's like the, the whorehouse for, for women. I mean, isn't there like a brothel where it's men, a stud farm in Nevada, and it's men you pay as a woman? I don't know. I find that really fascinating. Where's the movie about that? Maybe they women, women, you're saying that women want the whole... Man, if they're gonna, if it's gonna be a real man, it has you have to. It's usually a connection. Now you're gonna get some pushback on that, but for the new generation that can just say, "I just want some dick." Well, the new generation doesn't even know what gender they are. So, ooh, <laughs> now you want pushback? Okay, but but the, juni- the new generation is uh, is 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 looking down all the time and and living on a yes, you know. I have two questions though. You can cut all that out too. No, I'm not. It's the best stuff. <laughs> I wanted to go back to, because obviously we're starting at the baseline that rape and assault is bad. All right. We're also on the baseline that we don't have an HR in our business that we're getting one now and that we're overcorrecting. But we're also getting, so a, you know, we had not, we had, we didn't have an intimacy coordinator on our, you know who our intimacy coordinator was? Her. And you know what? It was a female director. You know, I just think she's a great director. She happens to be a female. And who was a great writer. Thank you for saying that because yes. I hate the female oh, director. I do too. I'm telling them for them. Yeah, no, no, I know. Because the whole thing that, that female shit. goes before I the word. That shit. It's like. you, But you were just a great director. And you closed the set when you wanted to close the set. When you when the actresses felt comfortable. And the actors. You treated us the same. You know. Um, so I'm going to get to something. But before I get to that. The, with the transactional thing. There are people that are doing this. But on the consensual part, the crime part is already terrible. We already get that. The consensual part really bugs the fuck out of me. Because I think that the people doing it, the people doing it and the people getting it, I don't know who's more guilty. Mm. Because if you're, again, call me a name, young, let's just say young actress, and you are like, I'll suck this dick. I'll S this D for this role. Not on my merits, but on my mouth, which is its own merit. 
And the producer, you're like, that's fine. I'll get through it. And he, he's, he does it. And it's all consensual. You're, in a way, as bad as that guy. Because you're skipping the line for what? Right. And it's like you're taking, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, you can't stop it. But I'm saying that people don't talk about that enough of like. I feel bad. Be good, for- be good at what you do. But you can say, that's what I do. You know what I'm saying? Did that come out right? Yeah. Well, it, it, it actually. Because it- then they'll say the power dynamic. Yeah. Some fucking mouths are powerful. You know what I mean? It's like you've, you've heard this. There are people. Oh God, how can I say this? I'm just going to say it. I'll figure it out if I edit it out. There's, I don't want to say it. Very big, successful legacy star who did that once or twice to get in and then became an Oscar winning person. Mm. Who's that? <laughs> a woman? It was a woman as sexy as fuck that you would never Is have. Is it Sharon Stone? Yeah. Because <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, but I don't want to say that. But, you know, maybe well, she good. said it. I'd like to have her in a pot. But if it's I, even true, but if I've heard it. But, but, it's, but the way and she owned it, she said, listen, I wasn't getting on. I was hot. Did one. Boom. But she had the talent, the looks, the charisma, everything to back it up. But she admitted it. So I don't know if it's true. So I shouldn't speak on that. Well, if she said it, I mean. I think she said it. But the bottom line is, I'm saying it's like we have to have all or nothing. Either people are trading favors sexually and it's fine or not. But you can't just say the producer who's a creep. How do I say it? Does it sound like I'm defending creeps? I just Because I just find that, like, I just see it a lot. I just see, like, girls sexualizing themselves. But they're like, I'm an actress. And it's like, you know, you can, no, I can tell you fucking the difference. You know what I mean? Because I know real actresses that have never fucking turned a trick and are amazing and very successful. It's just, yeah. Well, it's. I'm sure it's not just in Hollywood. I'm sure it's in other. Oh, too. it's in academia. Yeah. Trust me, I know this. I've seen medicine. I've I've been heard. I've talked to this many circles. So, I was listening to this divorce lawyer the other day, and he was saying, you know, to this day, and this is always something that bothers me as a woman that no matter what, like today with women having been in positions of power in every single, you know, industry, still the most power a woman can have is her looks. Doesn't matter what else she's done, right? But is that true? The, the, the lady who created Spanx? I mean, she owns Spanx. Well, she has money. But the most powerful thing you can have, and he was explaining it, that he is a divorce lawyer, has had clients who are billionaires, who are people who have, you know, invented things, made tons of money, have spent their life inventing certain things that we won't go into, certain companies that are very powerful. They marry a woman who's beautiful. Maybe they're married for six, seven years. They get a divorce. The woman gets half of everything that man owns. He did it. He married her. He didn't get a prenup. He married her because she was beautiful, and now she gets half, half of everything everything he ever made of what he's been working on his whole life and he's now 55 years old and he's giving to this 30 year old half of his entire and he goes this happens over and over and over and it's because female beauty is the most powerful commodity there is it's more than inventing spacex i'm just quoting this and i thought first i got really pissed and then i but it's been sticking in my head because it's, wow. it's like, yeah, it's true. And I mean, 
It also depends on how you define yourself because if you're really, as you get older and it's an inside job and you're, you know what I mean, no matter, you can be beautiful, it doesn't mean you're happy, you can have power, but if you don't have it from the inside, that beauty doesn't mean anything to mm-hmm. you. It mm-hmm. might mean something to the person who's giving you all his money, and but that person isn't happy. Like, it, it doesn't make the person happy. It gives them power that, you know, because beauty fades, as we all know, and then you age. And it's not a lasting thing. What's lasting is what's inside. So it's a cruel joke. It's kind of like a drug because it always goes back to drugs. Like that beauty is like that first hit you get off of the drug that makes you feel so powerful, but it's never going to last. Yeah. I mean, well, Martha Stewart is still beautiful. Oh. She is. I think women are going to age less and less now. That's a whole other pop. But. Oh, I don't know. You really think, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's ever going to happen, the fountain of youth and all these things. That's but happening. I'm f- that's a whole other, Aubrey de Grey, look into him. It's fascinating. It's all about the cell mitochondria. But that's oh, yeah, no, I've, I've read about that. And I know Elon Musk's mother mm-hmm. has, a, has a pill. She looks amazing. That you can buy. It's like $300 for a one, one month supply. So, you know, it's like, but... Until I actually see it, yes, I don't. I don't think they're going to crack that code. Well, the code is though is that you can be a beautiful. Oh, fuck, man! What the fuck did you say? In my brain. You said. I think I'm trying to work on a joke where women have to do more than just their. It depends on when I'm angry at women. I'm not angry at women today, but <laughs> I have moods. But it's like you can't just rely on your looks anymore. Because everyone can be pretty. That reminds me. And it's like, you better develop a fucking personality, how? That reminds me of the best Twilight Zone episode. You know the one where when With you- the pig faces? Not the pig face, which okay. is, of course, the other second. The, but have you seen the one that's less well known? When you turn 18, you have to have plastic surgery to become a one, a two, or a three. And a one is absolutely gorgeous. A two is absolutely gorgeous. And a three is absolutely gorgeous. And they all have slightly different faces. And you get to pick which one. And that's it. And everyone in the world is a one, two, and three, which means that they all look the same. So real beauty is the ugly girl. And the ugly girl turns 18, and they pull her into the hospital, and they're like, pick one, two, or three. And she's like, no, no, I want to keep my face. My face is what makes me unique. I don't want to be, be one, a one, two, or three perfect face because they're all the same. And then in the end, you know, she, she loses out. And I thought, that's what you just made me think of. Wow. That's a Twilight Zone? Mm-hmm. Or maybe I made it up. I don't know. I think it is. I should take credit for it. <laughs> wow. That's such an advanced... Because that's where we're going. Yes. You're one, two, or three. Wow. To this point where they use this term mid. Of like, if someone is like mid. That's a whole other thing. I have one question. I have to let you go. Because I'm... I swear, I hope I didn't hurt my neck. Oh. No, it's not you. I'm also crazy. Okay. This, you're incredible. You have to come back five times. In our movie, we worked with Stormy Daniels. That's a whole other conversation. We've had so many. Who was very sweet, yeah, very sure. very funny, very ambitious. <sighs> she was, isn't? Very ambitious. Remember, we did that. We did the screening. I just remember when we went to Bob's Big Boy. Me and her. Oh. And I think someone else. I, I wasn't invited, but I'm very curious. After that screening, and we did the panel, and she was so, I thought, wow, she's so ambitious. Like She really, I wasn't surprised with the. Really? The whole Trump thing. I don't know if it really happened. I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. She is so ambitious. 
and you know she's funny she's funny she also, and she's smart she also you know would you I, talk about it bob's big boy i'm so I forget. <laughs> she actually she told me I'm not gonna. We went to Bob's Big Boy. We had some screen. It was me, her, maybe Marcus. I forget, but we're in there. And she told me it was an actor that she wanted to fuck. And I'm like sitting there eating the chili. And I'm like. <laughs> but it was like five of us. Was it Krista too? I think Krista was there. Maybe because Krista was there. Hopefully that was the reason. Um, but you. <laughs> She's really funny. She didn't seem damaged. I have an argument with Dr. Drew. He's all love him. All porn is damaged. I said 5%. He said no, 5% doesn't exist of health. He's right. He's right. I agree with him. But she does she I've not found her damaged, but I don't know her that well. Um but you're right. You know it better than I do. And he's a psychologist. So he knows it better than I do. But you know, I know a lot of porn stars because of our business because they've intermingle. So, but anyway, that's a whole other pod. You, this is a woman, okay, and I will know we have to go. I did something in your movie that I never thought I would do. Oh. And how did that happen? <laughs> so, oh God, let's see if I even remember how it happened. <laughs> um, it was, it was I one. Tell you how it happened? You were like, you want this part. Kidding. No, no, no. Well, Jamie did fr- full frontal. Yes. And it was, yeah, it was, um, wow. First of all, wow. <laughs> oh, no, stop it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. You could be this character. Stop it. Whole no. other story. Stop but it. what it was is your willingness to do whatever was best for the movie. It was, it came out of left field. Which is why it was so, and it was so funny, and no one was expecting it, and especially Stormy. So you were doing, you had a little scene with Stormy. Mm-hmm. You walk over to her, and you drop your drawers. You just take all your pants down. You're like, Stormy, what do you think? Here's what it is, is that it was a movie about porn with actors that signed it away. Um, my first nudity waiver I ever signed was on Boogie Nights, which I ended up not doing. It's a long story. Oh. I was a small part. I would have loved to have been in it. It was a crazy but I have the nudity waiver to this day. So I'm pretty sure I signed nudity waivers on yours and everybody. And then the porn stars were like, that was, they were like, what's a nudity waiver. They they were so cool. So chill. (laughs) And everybody was beyond. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone was beyond professional where my girlfriend at the time was in the movie and like got me in the movie and she's like all the sex scenes were going to be with her and so she was yeah i mean she basically wanted to do porn in the goddamn movie and then i had another girlfriend after the movie came out and i went to the premiere with her and she got me it was there's so many stories i could tell that was that was intense okay well that's another pod oh my god that's right that i remember like yesterday okay so yeah okay thank you for and um (laughs) but i was like i'm not having sex but you know long story boring <sighs> peanut i did it because you and mcgregor in train spotting somehow did full frontal but it wasn't really it was just a glance and at that time in hollywood i was like i'm never gonna do it let people know let them envision it in their mind but um you know 
I think Ewan did it. And I always thought he was an amazing actor. And there was like a couple people at the time doing it. And it was just like, it was just an. Ex- was a bunch of people did it. Yeah. And it was an accentuation of like the scene and um, part of my own ego. You know, and she was all about it. She was like, yeah, do it. You know what I mean? You should do it. And because I take it out of a thing. And, um, you know, I was with a professional in real world. So I thought. Well, the scene was you ask her, what do you think of it? Yeah. And so you were like, do you want to show it? It was a longer convo. And she gave it, a, you know, not a terrible rating. So I yeah. thought. That will serve me for the next 15 years if I get a good rating. So I put a, took a risk. It just happened to be on film. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And it's so fast. It was so quick. I don't, I don't know if it's beautiful, and I appreciate the kind words, but I will say there was a male editor the whole movie, and he told me he was like, good. He, he gave me a thumbs up. He goes, that scene, you're doing good. Well, the other thing was also we always see the women. So yeah. So it was like, let's even the, you know. That's one of the conversations yeah. we had. You were yeah. like, yo, there's always women, you know, that's yeah. your character. Right. But you are like, if you want to do it, you don't have to do it. Yeah. So, but again, me and her are cool. And we can go over the lines with each other because we're cool with each other. Yeah. But, you know, because once you and I are in the same thing as once, it's a, it's a sandbox. Everything that happens in the sandbox stays in the sandbox. Yep. And we are cool. But people don't understand that world now. I know. Well, there's always overcorrection, as you said. It's yes. just an overcorrection for everything that was wrong and horrible. Yes. And then people go the other way. Yes. So. Listen, you're incredible. I can't even, we can, I can do 10 podcasts with you. I, this is, I'm honored that you sat down with me. I'm honored that this is your first podcast. I'm honored. My first time was my best. I don't know if I'm going to be able to recapture the magic. But no, Jamie, I, I meant what I said before. You're too sweet. No, you're just, you're the dream. Like, you're just a real person who's insanely talented and is just a great guy. And you're so fucking funny. I mean, that night at the in the at the Pineapple Hill, oh my god, people were on the floor. That was one of the greatest. That was one of the best. What you do to me is like, if there's anything, if I could have that talent to make people laugh, to be so smart, and I mean, your jokes were so smart. You tapped into what was going on with COVID and all the craziness in such a great way, and. You just, you gave so much to the crowd. The crowd needed it. They needed it. It was like comedy is medicine. And it was so wonderful to be there. And I was so proud. I was so proud to have worked with you. I was so proud to be your friend. It was, yeah. I think you're amazing. Thank you for having me here. It means the world coming from you. And I think you're amazing. And hopefully we'll do this again. Okay. And we can do it off camera too. Okay. Well, we don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing i love you I love go you. find julie do you want you to plug your socials no i love you <laughs> no i do i mean it that night you were just oh my god
So there's something, and Rose McGowan last week was here and told me some amazing stories. And I feel like I was going to get new chairs, but I think I'm going to keep this chair because I feel like there's some truth coming out of this chair. And you are, I think we're all hitting this thing. I have to tell you something just because you brought it up and before I forget, but you just said Rose McGowan and I, I've never gotten to, I have to tell the story. We're on a podcast. I, my first movie, I was 27. What was it called? I love you. Don't touch me. Okay. Okay. It was made for $60,000. It got into Sundance. This was my, this was my moment. Most exciting. This is what I've been working for my whole life. No one ever told me I could do this. I didn't know anyone out in Hollywood. I made it in my apartment with my friends. It got into Sundance. And I knew if it didn't sell, that was my moment. It, it was like my moment was going to be over before it started. And I was so nervous. And I remember at Burbank Airport, waiting, get, you know, in line to get my uh, seat. Because that's how you used to have to do it. And Rose McGowan was standing in front of me. Because she was also going. She had two movies that she was in. And she was so beautiful. And I remember this going back to looks. And I think she was 24, a couple years younger than me. And I remember thinking, oh. She's so beautiful, and she's, you know, my real dream is to be an actress always. So I was like, I just, I, I had this envy and this, and I was just, I remember this moment. Cut to recently, <laughs> how many decades later, Rose McGowan, who I was looking at, and you know, with those eyes of compare and despair and all that, was about to get on a plane to go to Sundance where she was going to be raped by Harvey Weinstein and it was going to change her life forever and cause her trauma for the rest of her life, which she now, of course, is used for good. But it's, it's a metaphor for me of how I still tend to look at other people. All right. Pull that closer. I okay. still tend, and I think as a society, we look at other people and we think that they have it all figured out and that they have it better. And we're so pulled in by the facade. And that was such a moment. I think about that all the time when the whole Harvey Weinstein thing came out. I thought she was about to go have the most traumatic experience. And I was just looking at this thing that I thought was so perfect and ideal. And we just don't know anybody else's life. And to add even further, I remember saying to my agent, can you get Harvey Weinstein to look at my movie? Because if he buys it, I'm, I'm in. And I remember they said, well, he's gonna look, he won't come to a screening. He'll look at it in his hotel room. And I said, well, can I, is there any way I could meet with him? <laughs> Bullet dodged. And they said, no, you know, he's just letting him watch. He's really busy. He was busy raping people. But, I mean, no, he's really busy. This is what you learned, you know, 30 years later. And I thought, God, I can't even get a meeting with him. And I remember they said, well, he watched it, and it just wasn't for him. And I think now I laugh because the movie was about a 26-year-old virgin waiting for Mr. Wright. Of course the movie wasn't for him. But I took it (laughs) It's just so funny. I was like, one, he probably didn't even watch it because he was probably too busy raping, you know, Rose McGowan and other people. But my whole story was, oh, I can't even get, I can't even get Harvey to meet with me. The best blessing, I don't believe in God, but if I did, he was looking out for me. He was looking out for me and not getting me in that door. And so these, you know, sometimes there's a great quote, we think we're being buried, but we're being planted, which I love. And if I got that dream and that get that I thought I wanted, I might have been buried. Really buried. Oh, my God. 
This is like, I have to take a second. Jesus <laughs> Christ. No. Well, you, 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 that's just for not coming on to not seeing you forever to just starting this. And this is your, I mean, that's like the most beautiful opening of anyone's podcast career ever. And Rose was just in this fucking seat two weeks ago telling me all about that Sundance. Wow. If oh. you don't want to talk about a simulation, she told me the whole story. And I, because I knew two things of that Sundance, that the girl I did scream with, or either was going to or whatever, was coming out of that, and she was the darling. And that a new female director won the audience award, or got in. You were like one of the first females ever, yeah. And you got a lot of heat off of that fucking film, yeah. out of that Sundance. And I remember those two things were in the Variety. That's right. That was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It is. I have to remind myself of that a lot because, you know, when I feel like, you know, things aren't going for me, it didn't happen for me, why can't I get this approval, why can't I get this attention, why do I have no, no relevance, all those, you know, ridiculous yet I think universal thoughts of people who've had a little bit of success and can't recapture it I have to remember this is happening you just keep doing what you can do which is your best and being honest and telling your truth and figure out a way to tell your story you don't know how it's going to happen you're not in control of how it's going to happen you're only in control of just taking the actions and being creative and just don't look at ever, anyone else's story or anyone else's journey because you really don't know what's going on. You just don't know. So true, so hard, but more, in, you know, what you just said is, is, is because I think we're sharing so much now and people are not scared to be more intimate. 